Welcome to the chaos. I'm so excited for this podcast. I'm eager to share, inspire, and give hope to those who feel alone and lost. I'm Jordan, the host of Jordan Chronically. As frustrating as it was yesterday, not being able to get on the site to record, I'm so very thankful that I took the day and just kind of like stayed off social media and kept myself busy instead of sitting in the frustrations because truthfully, my frustrations weren't coming from the fact that the podcast site wouldn't load. It was coming from this healing process. And I was really just not in the headspace yesterday to even start talking about this. I yeah, this is hard and so much harder than I thought. Um, I didn't realize that I wasn't actually like feeling my emotions most of my life. I was just kind of like shoving them down so that I didn't have to feel them because they made me uncomfortable. And so when I tell you it's like grief almost of just coming in waves and one minute I'm fine and the next minute I'm feeling sad or angry or just like emotional. And yesterday just wasn't the day that I needed to record anything at all. I do feel like I need to clarify that by stay off social media. I don't mean not posting. I mean, not scrolling. So for me, I do make money from posting on social media. So like I'm in this weird space of knowing that social media is not helping my mental health, but I, it provides, it provides an income for my family. And, um, I never want to take that for granted because I know it is not consistent and it is not forever promised. And even right now, like, I mean, this is probably a whole different topic for an episode, but right now Facebook is changing the way that they pay us. And unfortunately it's not for the better. So, um, I do feel this sense of like, I can't not post because I'm only making an income if I'm posting. So I'm in this weird phase of like limiting the amount of time I am mindlessly scrolling and consuming things, but it probably feels really weird to hear a content creator say they're not on social media when you've seen them post a video or like a graphic or something. So I wanted to clarify, I'm so grateful for the opportunity and I don't want that ever to get lost when I have days where I need to share about how hard it's been with hate comments or anything like that. Because for for a while, that's all my page was, is like I was so overwhelmed by hate comments that I couldn't stop posting about it. And it was consuming everything and I needed to take a day off, but also feeling the weight of, okay, well, if I take a day off, it messes with the algorithm and that messes with the amount of people seeing my stuff. And then that messes with how much I'm getting paid. And it just is kind of an overwhelming feeling. So I wanted to clarify that if I'm not responding back to your comments, it's likely because I'm having one of those days where mentally I just can't do it. And I cannot, um, I just do not have the headspace or the mental capacity to respond to all the comments um, out of, you know, just all of the stuff going on in my personal life, but also out of all of the hateful 
comments. It's just so hard to filter through them. It almost feels harder to start this topic than it did to actually start with the last one. Um, and I'm not totally sure why. Uh, I mean, I guess I am. Okay, so I feel like I had to leave so much out, out of respect for the other people involved. And that makes this so much more difficult uh, because I, I just don't feel comfortable being so open that it might negatively affect my family more than it already has. Um, to give you the bare minimum of the things that I left out, at the beginning of the week, last week, when I recorded the episode, it was a Monday, I recorded the episode about how my childhood trauma affects my parenting. And in doing that, after I recorded it, I knew that I had to tell my mom what was coming. So my mom and I do, I mean, essentially have a relationship. I would not consider it your typical mother-daughter relationship just because, um, well, the trauma for one, but also my mom had me like right out of high school. She was pregnant in high school, her senior year. And then I moved out when I was 14. And even when I was living with her, I was going to my grandparents' house like every school break, every weekend they would come get me. And so truthfully, um, our relationship has always been, I can't say always, our relationship has been more of a friendship than it actually has been like a parental figure, parental relationship. So my mom and I have pretty much always had some sort of relationship and I didn't want her to be surprised. In doing that, I also felt a kind of a big sense of urgency on sharing with her why I needed to share, which meant addressing some of the hurt that her addiction and behaviors have caused me. And when I tell you I could have never prepared for what happened after that, I like truthfully and wholeheartedly mean that. Um, there was a domino effect, unfortunately. And I knew, like, I, I knew that it could cause um, some issues. I didn't know that it would cause what it caused, though. And unfortunately, it has been almost a week and I have not heard from my mom. And that has been a pretty difficult thing. <laughs> and in my giant message I sent her, I did say, please don't feel the need to respond to all of this. And these things are not going to be addressed on the podcast, but I, I need for my healing journey to say it. I had been told for years, years since I started pursuing different therapists. Um, that's 
pretty much the common denominator is when we would talk about childhood trauma, they would advise me or just recommend me to write down my feelings and either, you know, write them down and throw them away, write my mom a letter, write my mom an email. Um, and I never could. I would start a bunch of them and I never could. And so I didn't give myself the opportunity to back out of that. And I'm not going to say that that was the right time or the right way. I just knew for me personally with my fear of hurting her and my people pleasing and my inability to handle confrontation, I knew that talking to her in person was not possible for me. And I felt like I just have to get it over with. So I took a couple hours on Tuesday to write essentially this long letter. Um, And I prayed over it and I prayed for her in the letter. And like I said, genuinely, I knew that there would be a reaction, um, an emotional reaction, but it wasn't as of right now from her. And that was the hardest part um, was that somebody in this process felt the need to be involved when it wasn't about them and said some pretty horrible things to me out of manipulation. And when I tell you, I never would have probably done this if I would have known that this would have happened just because I'm an avoider and um, talking about childhood trauma or any trauma, generally speaking, is pretty anxiety inducing, but I would have never um, assumed or thought that this would have been the outcome. And I know that this is very vague and I'm really sorry because it's probably like, oh, I just want to know. I want the tea. Um, And where I can appreciate that, the tea is, it's my life. And Um, This directly affects me and this has been incredibly difficult for me this week. Um, And honestly, I even wrote in my prayer journal that the defeat I feel and the guilt that I feel for even starting this process and kind of the turmoil that it's caused not only in my life, but now others just feels wrong. And I know that that is the trauma response and and kind of from the manipulation that I have unfortunately experienced. And um, I know that as a part of the healing process, I've had to learn that I deserve healing. And I, you know, I don't get that from the reaction of the people involved in the situation. I get that from God. And uh, as hard as it's been, and challenging as it's been and emotional, (laughs) I have to keep pushing through because my kids deserve a better mom and my husband deserves a better wife. And I am going to keep on this journey, uh, probably going to make a lot of mistakes and all of that to just say that I don't know what I'm doing, guys. And I'm just sharing uh, for one, because it helps me, almost forces me to talk about it. For two, it holds me accountable. And for three, I know that so many 
other people are walking through something similar right now. And I'm just here to say, don't give up. And I feel this really big calling to share as much as I can safely and respectfully uh, for all parties involved. But I am going to talk about, so you want to heal, but now what? Like, what does that process even look like? And I can only share from my experience. I cannot tell you what to do, um, but I can tell you that your healing cannot be dependent on anybody else. And you deserve to make these changes in your life, but also that change is scary and it's hard and it's emotional. Okay, so listening back to that clip, I have to apologize for all of the very distracting barking and loud dump trucks driving through. Um, Please know that like I do not edit these and I also do them at my dining room table with the bummiest looking clothes and super tall fuzzy socks and I'm currently wearing my Crocs and (laughs) I'm drinking my second cup of coffee. And so this is very like truthfully just real and raw, but I am so sorry for all of the distractions. I wish I had like an office space where I could make it completely silent and like, you know, like a normal podcast, but truthfully, there is nothing normal at this point about my life. (laughs) We just, we're just embracing it. Okay. So I'm so sorry if that is distracting to you. I need you to know that healing is not linear. There are tons of ways that you can heal. And ultimately, it's going to take a lot of digging and figuring out exactly what you need out of the situation to then create a plan and put it in action for you as an individual. And what has worked for me in this process might be awful for you and might not be the right choice. And that is okay. Um, Some of these things, I genuinely think anybody should do them and it could benefit, you know, no matter the situation, big or small, traumatic or not. Um, I think that the first thing I would recommend holds a lot of value to everybody and that is to write everything down. Don't hold back. Don't spare anybody's feelings. This one is for you. This is going to establish what areas of your life are affected by what you went through, how it's made you feel, how each person played a role. And then you are going to write down your expectations and boundaries. It doesn't have to be pretty. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to even make sense right now. This is for you. This is not for anybody else. You don't have to share it with anybody else. This is what I like to call a brain dump. And I think I've mentioned it before. Every so often, if I notice myself feeling overwhelmed just with like normal 
chaos. I say normal because I feel like everybody's life is probably chaos. Um, at least I hope so because my goodness, um, mine is. And so sometimes when I'm just feeling like this sense of overwhelm and like, I have no patience, I have no tolerance. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? I like to do something called a brain dump. And I literally will sit down in silence with no distractions and write down everything that comes to mind. And then seeing it on a piece of paper and having it and knowing that you have that to just like look at. And for me, I pray over it. And then I tell God, hey, I am struggling with these things. I cannot hold on to them anymore. Please take them. And I close my eyes and I visualize giving all of these things that I have just written down directly to God. Like I visualize my hand holding and scooping all of this up and releasing it and putting it in the hands of God. And for me, that has helped. Um, I think we learn in a multitude of ways, but that has helped my brain and my body both let go of whatever I am holding on to. I need you to know that trauma isn't just this bad memory. No matter how long ago it happened, it's not this bad dream that you just wake up from and since you survived it um, and maybe you're like me and 16 years has passed since the last um, extreme traumatic event occurred, it doesn't just go away on its own. Just because 16 years has passed does not mean I healed from it. Um, And I remember I was probably 20 or 21. A counselor had told me that our body stores trauma. And I don't think I could fully like understand what that meant. I think I just took it as, yeah, we obviously that's anxiety, that's depression, that's, you know, all of those um, mental health diagnosis that I've been diagnosed with. And I didn't actually know that trauma is in fact stored, (laughs) like really stored in our body. And it presents itself in ways that I don't know are common um, because it's not just as simple as anxiety and depression or even PTSD. That's another really common thing. So um, the other day when I was just doing some research on this, I Googled where is trauma stored in the body. And I just, I copied and pasted into my notes section on my phone. And these are the two things that I want you to know. This Google search led me to this statement. It says, people who have unprocessed trauma often report having commonly known symptoms such as intrusive thoughts of of the events, mood swings, loss of memory, and more. So those are very real symptoms of unprocessed trauma. It doesn't say, you know, in a timeline or, you know, like you, oh, you missed your chance to heal. So sorry, you're just stuck with those. It just states that that unfortunately is a normal response to the trauma that we experienced if you don't heal it, if you don't heal from it. And then the other one that I found 
that was so interesting to me. And I do want um, to do more digging on this. I just, at the time that I Googled it, it was like 10 o'clock at night and I I couldn't retain any more information. <laughs> but it says, the energy of the trauma is stored in our body's tissues, primarily muscles and fascia, until it can be released. This stored trauma typically leads to pain and progressively erodes a body's health. Emotions are the vehicles in the body. I'm sorry. Emotions are the vehicles that the body relies on to find balance after trauma. And if you, like me, experienced childhood trauma, I wasn't allowed to have those emotions. I was not allowed to express those emotions. I lived in this bubble of we don't talk about it, it doesn't exist. And um, therapy was out of the question. Reputation was more important than, you know, getting help. <laughs> and so if, if you experience something similar like I did, you never got that opportunity. And maybe now that's why you're, you're willing to take that opportunity. But I need you to know that trauma is not just affecting your brain. Trauma is affecting your body, your physical health. If you are somebody who endured a ton of trauma as a child, I recently learned that your autonomic nervous system can actually be so stressed out that it can cause autoimmune diseases. I have that. And I'm not saying, because truthfully, I don't remember. I have, like I said, so much memory loss, but I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, which is an autoimmune disease, in 1999. And I don't want to say that trauma is the cause of that. I don't want to place blame on that because I'll never know. Truthfully, I will never know. And I am so thankful. <laughs> it's crazy, I know. I'm so thankful for my disease and I'm I'm so grateful that I'm in a healthy place of acceptance and not just acceptance, but like genuinely radical acceptance of my disease that I don't want to dig too far into that um, and shake up, you know, what I have healed in that process because there was also a grieving process for the life that I thought I would have without a disease. <laughs> um, but trauma is stored in the body. And if we don't let it go and heal it and work towards healing, our body is in its most vulnerable state for attacks and our brain is also at its most vulnerable state. You don't have to continue to live in fight or flight mode. I kind of laugh at the realization I had about positive affirmations, um, specifically because my daughters and I just recently found Snoop Dogg's positive affirmations for children. And like I shared in the last episode, we are in this season of struggle with my daughters. And um, I wanted to start speaking 
life into them. I didn't want to just lecture anymore. I didn't just want to tell them what they were doing wrong. I want to be intentional about telling them all of the amazing and wonderful things they are doing right and all of the incredible reasons why I love them and why I'm so thankful for them. And so every morning in the car on our way to school, we listen to Snoop Dogg's positive affirmations. If you haven't listened to it, it's really great. Um, It is pretty interesting if you you know, are around my age and you grew up listening to some of Snoop Dogg's music. It It's pretty cool. Um, and it's clean. Obviously, there's no curse words. It is specifically for kids. He actually has an entire album um, and a YouTube channel. So that was um, a pretty cool thing to see. For one, my kids love music. And I'm so thankful for that because that is what I connect the most to. I've been a singer my whole life. Um, done lots of pageants, was on the worship team for a very long time. I still thoroughly enjoy worshiping. And my husband's a drummer. And I think it was unavoidable that my kids have this love of music too. And I'm so grateful for it. And it's just another way, because like the baby songs can be a little boring, right? Like we all got tired of singing Wheels on the Bus. Well, there's a version (laughs) that is more hip hop rap style and I'm obsessed. Like I genuinely love it. But I had this realization that positive affirmations, although it's kind of like all over social media, really wasn't around from my childhood. And I think I would have benefited from doing affirmations as a kid because I was a kid who constantly, you know, sought out approval from everybody because I felt like nobody ever picked me. And so we were doing these silly affirmations and it kind of just hit me that a great way to combat those negative feelings that you will, you absolutely will experience, okay, in this process. And I'm, I'm saying you will experience them so that it doesn't come as a shock or a surprise and kind of deter you from the progress that you are capable of making. And so I found myself a couple times, you know, saying these affirmations with the girls every day. I do it every day because at first it was uncomfortable. And especially for my oldest, she did not want to participate. So I'm like, well, girl, I'm participating. So you should participate. And then she did. And, um, you know, probably the third or fourth time I was doing it, I realized that it significantly helped the way that I viewed myself during this process. And so I was unfortunately contacted, like I stated at the beginning of this, by somebody who was not supposed to be involved in the situation, who did not read the letter, but made this about themselves. Um, And I was actually able to kind of hone in on some of those affirmations um, and not necessarily use the exact same ones, but similar and tell myself and identify, one, identify that that was out of line and unacceptable. Um, Not only did they make it about them, but they completely invalidated my experience with trauma. And even though this person lived through it with me, 
experienced their own trauma and firsthand just have watched me struggle my whole entire life. Um, They said awful things to me, minimized my trauma, told me I was just doing it, this process of healing and making a podcast episode, just doing it for attention. And, you know, just the most awful reaction that you can imagine is what happened. And I want to be clear that that did not come from my mother in this process. Like I stated, I have not been contacted by her since sending her um, the letter, essentially. And um, (laughs) it was really hard to hear, and I did not react gracefully. There was crying. There was yelling. Um, I felt very much attacked, so much so that it has like quite literally um, affected every single day since. And I normally would have experienced, you know, like the yelling and the manipulation and the minimizing and attempt in silencing me, um, I would have just shut down. But because I had listened to these affirmations, I was already telling myself that I am not responsible for their reaction. I deserve healing. I deserve to feel happy. I deserve to be heard and that my feelings are important and my trauma is real and that my healing is a priority no matter what anybody else thinks because I'm not healing for them. I'm healing for me and my girls and my husband. And I need you to hear that because somebody will be mad that you're speaking up. Somebody will probably not be ready to change like you are. Change is hard. Nobody likes being uncomfortable and especially nobody likes being called out, you know, for what they're doing and what they have done to you. And you deserve a voice. And if you are in this state of, I'm 30, I don't deserve it, it's my fault, yeah, I felt that this week. I have. I have felt that a lot of times this week. I have had this insane urge to just fix it because that's all I've ever done um, is just be a neutral party and just hold my feelings in and not ever put myself first. And in doing that, I have essentially just caused and prolonged the inevitable, which is people are hurt and people are angry, but I'm tired of living this way. And I also just need to add to that, there is not a timeline for this. Please don't rush yourself. If you do not feel ready or like you have the mental capacity or maybe you don't have the support system right now, I understand that. There are very few people in my life who know fully what's going on and that has been hard. Um, 
it feels like a burden and it feels like I'm not allowed to share it with people. And those are all very normal feelings. But please don't let that stop you from getting peace and your joy back. And and truly, like in this process, I think the best part is learning that I do have a voice. That's so cool. (laughs) And learning who I am and who now that I get the opportunity to be after all of this is finally over, even if it's not how I want it to end, I am only responsible for me. The final step to just kind of what I decided to do was rewriting the letter or email or note or whatever you want to call it when I wasn't angry, um, I took everything I wrote and kind of like a rough, used that as a rough draft and respectfully, but firmly shared that note. Um, like I said, I was not in a position to speak to my mom in person. I didn't feel like I could because I knew it was going to be hard for her too. And I knew that I likely wouldn't say all of the things that I needed to say in order to heal and move on because I would be too worried about how she was reacting and feeling in that moment to fully feel my own feelings. So if you are feeling that way and you're wanting to go with this idea of sending a letter, email, note, what have you, (laughs) this is probably the hardest step. And for one, I had a lot of emotions during this step. Um, I started off a little harsh because I had some anger in that moment of, you're the reason I'm even having to do this. Like you are the reason why I experienced trauma. And when I say the stages of grief um, apply to people who are alive, (laughs) it applies to relationships. And this is one that I've grieved many, many times in my life. And I'm so sick of the same cycle, which is, you know, essentially why that this is important. And I noticed when I was reading it out loud, because that was another big step for me, is like, I need to read this out loud. Nobody was here. I was reading it out loud. I would write some stuff and I would read it out loud and I would rewrite it and I would read it out loud. I didn't want anything I said in my letter to push my mom further away from Jesus. And I also carried this over overwhelming guilt for saying anything because of my mom's suicide attempt 16 years ago. And I briefly shared about that a couple episodes back, not in detail, of course, but that was a pretty big eye-opening experience for me. 
And as somebody who does identify as an empath, that's why social media is really hard for me is because of my life experience with my mom. My mom felt, I'm assuming, in that moment when she attempted to take her life, she felt that there was nothing left for her here. She felt like everybody hated her, like the world would be better without her. And that hindered my ability to say anything all of these years. And it's also why I can't understand why so many people on the internet are so mean because you don't know what anybody is going through. You don't know that words hold so much power and you don't know that your rude and hateful and mean comment could be the final straw for somebody and that they may feel like nobody cares. And I realize that not everybody experiences um, what I did with my mom's suicide attempt. But we have to have enough self-awareness as humans dealing with other humans that life is not always what it seems and social media is a highlight reel and you have no idea what somebody is carrying and I couldn't imagine being the reason why somebody wanted to die. (laughs) I could not imagine that something I said made somebody take their own life. And I know I can't expect everybody to understand. And maybe it's wrong of me to hold people accountable. I personally don't think it's wrong to hold people accountable and to call them out for toxic and inappropriate comments on social media for this reason. It's why I'm so passionate about it. But because I'm so passionate about it and because I've been so terrified to tell my mom for the last 16 years, because I've held on to this feeling of what if it happens again and the ambulance doesn't get there soon enough and she succeeds. And that is a very real feeling that I'm still struggling, if I'm being honest. Um, It comes in waves. And I finally just had to tell myself over and over and over again that I am not responsible for anybody's reaction. I am only responsible for me, my reaction, my approach, And everything else is out of my control. And I've had to tell myself that uh, (laughs) probably a hundred times a day. And every time I start thinking about it and feeling scared, 
um, it's been hard and this will be hard for you too. And I want you to know that you can achieve a level of understanding even for your abuser without silencing yourself. And it will feel impossible but you are not responsible for their reaction. You are not responsible for your, you know, the, the, those feelings you're feeling <clears throat> right now is your trauma talking and it's not you. It's not the healed version of you and those thoughts of guilt and I shouldn't have done this are loud, but holding on to this isn't fair. And I do believe for me personally, I knew that there was a heaviness about it that I couldn't come from a place of attack. I couldn't come from defensiveness. I had to state the facts, share how it made me feel, And that's what I did. And I'm not going to tell you that it's been easy. I think I've said that it's been hard so many times. But I feel like I've grown. And like I've said, my goal is not for them to beg me for forgiveness and apologize and to like fall to their knees and tell me how horrible they were to me. That's not my goal. I don't really think that's a necessary part of healing. My goal was to get it out so I didn't have to carry it anymore, to set it down because it was never mine to carry. Like I said, trauma is stored in our bodies. And when we start addressing the trauma, we are going to feel triggered. As awful as that feels, it is a normal part of this process. And for me, I've avoided it for so long that some of the triggers feel new and some of my reactions feel new But also, some of it has caused me to feel like the 14-year-old girl I was again. And I want you to know that you have this power in you to say, no, I am safe. They do not control me. They cannot hurt me. And I will heal from this. This process, unfortunately, just can't be pain-free. And, you know, when I first started it, I kind of had this, like, complex almost of, like, I deserve it. I won't cry. 
I'm tough. I've been through worse. But like that was a facade. That was not my real feelings. That was the justice complex in me. That was me needing to be right because I've always just felt that this was so wrong. And so I had to identify that. And don't get me wrong. Like I am really just talking about the people who have hurt me this week, but I, I have done the work in myself as well. I have, you know, sought out God in this by asking him to reveal in me what I need to change and what I need to do, not for them, but because of who I am and because of what God wants for me. And I want you to know that, yes, this process is sad and hard and difficult, but it absolutely can be so empowering to get your life back and to think for yourself and to think clearly for maybe the first time ever. And it's a lot and it's hard and it's not, there's no one size fits all. I can't give you a manual. I can just share the things that have worked for me this far. And I wouldn't even say I'm at the halfway point. I think I'm in a pretty good point, maybe between I've realized I wanted to heal. So I took that step and now I'm in the process of wanting to forgive them. And as a Christian, the Bible is very specific about forgiveness and we serve a God who is so merciful and graceful that forgives us every single day, every single, not even just daily, but like sometimes that's multiple times a day. And we're so undeserving of that. And that's the perfect example. And I want to get there. Truthfully, I do. I want to get there. I even, uh, when I was trying to record this yesterday, I even shared how I felt after writing the letter to my mom on Tuesday. And I very distinctly heard the Holy Spirit tell me to forgive her. I was praying and I said, if there is anything in this letter that doesn't need to be here, if there's anything I shouldn't say, or maybe if there's anything I need to add to it, please tell me now. (laughs) And I heard, you have to forgive her. And when I tell you my response was, are you sure? I want to do that. I want to be obedient in that. But I'm also here to tell you, I wish it was that simple. And that's kind of where I want to head into, you know, working towards the end of this is forgiveness is a choice. And sometimes we skip past feeling the feelings because we think, Oh, well, we get to skip and avoid the hard parts and we're just choosing to forgive them. And well, yeah, that could work, um, but it's likely going to cause a ton of resentment and bitterness. And I don't have space in my heart for that anymore. I want joy and peace and love and laughter and kindness in my life. I don't want this trauma 
to take up space anymore. So essentially when we do that and we skip past feeling the feelings, we are just creating space for a bigger hole. And you know, I have found peace in knowing that no matter the outcome of this situation, God already knows. He's seen it. He's written it. And he has he has it under control, even if it doesn't feel like it. And it takes a little bit of pressure off of me personally to feel the need to have it all figured out, to have this game plan that's going to like fix and solve everything, right? Because there is no game plan. And that hole that I'm trying to heal isn't to fill it back up with the people who hurt me. And I don't mean because I don't want them in my life. I mean that hole that I'm trying to heal is only going to heal because of God. And my hope is not in the fact that I hope they apologize and take accountability. Accountability would be incredible. Truthfully, that's that's all I want. It's not the apology. I don't want anybody to beg me for forgiveness because I'm at that point in my life where I'm sick of using this as a stumbling block. I'm sick of using this as the excuse of why I behave a certain way and do the things that I do. I am taking responsibility in my healing and I'm taking responsibility in my life for my choices. And I don't blame anybody. Um, But I also can identify that forgiveness means something different to all of us. And whereas I think it's an action word um, for me, I'll share what how I learned that, just so you guys know. Um, I don't. I don't even remember if I talked about this on the church hurt episode because, like I said, it wasn't supposed to post because I wasn't finished. Um, but I had to learn the hard way about forgiveness. I thought forgiveness was this thing that you just kind of prayed for and it would be this really magical feeling, almost like butterflies in the stomach. Um, One day you just wake up and you would feel that forgiveness. And that's not true, at least not how I experienced it. And so I was probably you know, six months into the journey of feeling all the feelings from experiencing church hurt when I realized that I'm not going to get this feeling of forgiveness because you have to wake up every day and choose to forgive that person. And I think eventually you get to a point where it's not the first thing on your mind anymore and you maybe don't think about it as much. And then you start looking at that person differently and you start praying for that person and not just that God would redeem the situation or, you know, make them see that they're wrong, but you start praying for them because they're a child of God too. And because God loves them just as much as he loves you too. And so learning that has definitely helped me apply that 
to this situation. But I know as a part of this healing process, I can't jump straight to that. It's not the right step in that direction. I'm close and I can feel that I'm close. And I, that's what my prayer is for everybody who listens is that's where you get to as well. And like I've said, there's no timeline. There's absolutely no timeline, no manual, no script I can give you to make this easier. But I hope it does give you confidence to know that you are capable and brave enough to do this. And my prayer is that hearing me talk about it and share some of these steps that it will encourage you to take some of these steps too and apply it to your life to maybe use my experiences as a guide, not completely, because like I said, my advice is just my advice. It is not, there's no research. It's just based off of my experiences this week alone. I wanted to take this conversation about forgiveness to Facebook. So Monday, I went live and I got ready and I just asked, like, what are your thoughts on forgiveness? And I had some really great responses. And although this is already 43 minutes, I'm so sorry. My goodness, I did not intend on these episodes being so long, but I think there's so much information that it's hard to just like pinpoint. And I do not follow any kind of Like I'm not just reading something I wrote to you guys. I do bullet points of the things that I want to talk about just so that like I can keep myself on track uh, with my ADHD, but I don't censor other than like names and obviously very specific details. Um, I'm not censoring what's coming to mind. I'm just saying it. So um, I do want to read you some of these. There's over 90 comments though, so I'm probably not going to get to them all or else we may be here for like three hours. So This person said, years ago, I had to forgive someone from a childhood trauma. It was more to forgive myself looking back with 2020 vision than to forgive them. Even though the adult me knew it was not my fault, the child me didn't. I hope this makes sense. The act of forgiving did more to help me than therapy did. Adults can hurt children even if the thing doesn't affect another child the same way because we all process differently and or have different coping skills. I love that this person identified that we all process things differently and what we have interpreted as a traumatic experience might not be to somebody else. And I think that is so eye-opening and so mature to say for a multitude of reasons, because it's like, wow, my trauma was very bad to me, but there are people who have it worse. There's always going to be people who have it worse. And, and sometimes I think we minimize our own traumas because we assume that nobody else will think it's, that it is as serious to us as it is to them. And I think it is so important that this person got to the place of healing where she was able to identify that. And I think that is so cool. So this person says, I feel forgiveness is an action word, meaning that I say what I need to say either by person or letter 
and I actively set boundaries for myself and family. On the other end of it, sorry is not a word you just say. It needs to be an action word. So if I forgive the person, it doesn't mean I have a relationship with the person. I am forgiving. It means I made peace with the situation. I loved that one. I think it's equally as important. If somebody is still participating in the toxic behavior that hurt you, if you set that boundary, if you are going to say, I am uninterested in participating in a relationship like this, they should respect that. Expect some backlash because that will obviously happen. Nobody likes change. Nobody likes to be confronted. Nobody wants to admit their own faults. So this person said, I liked it because it's pretty similar to what has helped me. And she said, practical steps that worked for me. Number one, write down on a piece of paper who hurt you and what is it that you're trying to forgive? This piece of paper is one thing only, not multiple hurts. Continue this process until your hurts are written down. Number two, Put them all in an envelope and say, I choose to forgive you and actually mean it. This in of itself is so freeing. Number three, then decide how this person is allowed back into your life. For example, you can love someone from a distance. You don't have to allow them back into your life. And I also loved that because you can love them from a distance. Is it going to change the dynamic of maybe your family or your friend group? Yeah, absolutely. But just because that change feels bad right now doesn't mean it always will and you will be okay even in those moments where, you know, the tears are flowing and your heart is racing and you just feel broken and defeated and lost and alone, it's going to be okay and you're not broken and you're not alone because you have a God that loves you you so much and he's never left you and he has zero intentions and you may find yourself in a position like me where you have often find have you have often found yourself thinking or even saying I feel like I don't fit in and no one ever picked me God did and sometimes we are so blinded by our circumstances that we can't see how God has moved in our lives, even even before we were ready to accept it, right? And I personally struggle so much with trust. I love everybody. I accept everybody, all walks of life. You know, I, I mean, even those who have played a huge role in this trauma. I love them, but I have a hard time trusting that they'll change. And I have a hard time trusting in general because of this. And one thing I've learned is, you know, the song, even when I don't see it, he's working. There are so many instances in this situation, in my trauma that I shouldn't have survived. And I don't have any other explanation other than the divine intervention of God because he chose me, because he was there, 
because he saw it too. And I find so much comfort in that when I start feeling my thoughts slip into things like, I don't deserve this. I caused all of this drama. I hurt all of these people. It's my fault that they treated me this way. I should have just been quiet. And God is saying, no, you deserve to speak up for yourself. God is saying that he loves you and that he is here. And he knew that this was going to happen. And he's not surprised and he's not mad at you. In fact, I think God is proud of all of us who decide to heal because he knows it's not easy. It's so hard and it probably is the hardest thing you might ever do. And I hope one day you can say, and I can say that it was the most rewarding and it's okay that we're not there yet. And it's okay that we don't have it figured out. And it's even okay when we don't handle situations appropriately. You cannot hold yourself to the standard of applying all of these steps and being graceful 100% of the time. We are all human and we all will mess up. All of us, regardless if a person appears to be the best Christian and you know the most knowledgeable, they have sin in their life too. They mess up too. That's why we need God. If we were all perfect, we wouldn't need a savior. And I hope that you find a little comfort in hearing my experience. And I'm so thankful again for the opportunity to just get this off my chest and kind of, it feels like we're just hanging out and talking with friends. And I appreciate that so much. It's For me, it's like a little bit less scary than taking a deep dive into therapy. And I appreciate that. Um, I know none of you asked for <laughs> all of this, my trauma, my experiences, or my opinions. And I'm just so appreciative of all of you who are so open and kind and loving on social media and encouraging to me through this. It means more to me than I could ever express. And I'm just so grateful. I hope this was helpful. I hope this is eye-opening. And I hope you find your courage. And I'm praying for you, and I know that you are so capable, and it will make a difference in your life, and I know that you deserve to heal, and I'm proud of you for taking this next step into your healing journey, whatever that looks like for you. I hope you guys have a wonderful Friday. I am trying to record another episode Uh, just essentially because my kids are on spring break next week. And I know I'm not going to get to record anything because it will be loud and chaotic in my house. So um, hopefully I can pre-record some stuff so that you guys can have a episode to listen to next week. But again, thank you so much for always supporting me and listening to all of my crazy endeavors. It means the world to me.